0: You're listening to a podcast about brain health in diverse America. The goal of this podcast is to inform listeners about the latest research on healthy brain aging and risk factors leading to cognitive impairment and dementia. While the scientific community knows that aging affects brain health of black, Hispanic, and European Americans quite differently. We still don't know the why and the how that this happens. This podcast will closely examine healthy and unhealthy aging in America as we discuss themes especially relevant to Black and Hispanic Americans. I'm Dr. David Johnson, director of the California Alzheimer's Disease Research Center in the East Bay and one of many scientists working on the Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study. This podcast is a production of the National Institute on Neurological Disorders and Stroke, the grant-funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study, and the UC Davis School of Medicine. This podcast is produced by Darling New Media Podcast Studios in Sacramento, California. Thank you for joining Brain Health in Diverse America. Today's guests are Rebecca Alfaro and Jennifer Vargas. Rebecca is a research coordinator at the UC Davis Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. She possesses a wide range of knowledge and expertise in outreach, research, recruiting, and retention, and is well-versed in building partnerships in the community, particularly the Hispanic community. Jennifer is a psychometrist at the UC Davis Alzheimer's Disease Research Center with experience conducting outreach, recruitment, screening, and testing of our research participants across a variety of grant funded projects in clinical research. She has a bachelor's of science in gerontology. In this episode of Brain Health in Diverse America, our guests talk about the importance of Hispanic Americans participating in research studies. What barriers are most often encountered and why including diverse individuals in research is so important to clinical care and scientific discovery. First, I'd like to start with you, Rebecca. Can you tell us a little bit about the barriers or the hesitancies that you encounter most often when meeting with potential participants who are of Latino descent?
1: Well. When I introduce research to Latinos, um, more than anything, they want to know what it is. Because our culture, we don't see research as a normal thing. And for me, coming to them and asking the participant research, we need to make sure they understand what we're asking. Once um, they feel like, um, that you're asking them to participate in something that they don't know. I had to go from very basics to explaining what the research work we are doing, how the benefits to everyone, because we are such a diverse country, and what are we asking about then. Um, it doesn't come like, a yes, I want to participate for day one. It, it builds once i present the study more than anything they want to know then the next time you come in they want to know a little bit more uh, it's showing them what we are doing in our center more than anything and hoping that you bring it to a level that they are able to understand what we're doing
0: um, so that's really interesting that it's this process like um, uh, um, building on top of each other, like layers to the foundation for understanding what, why research is I- an important thing, at least within the United States and the NIH and those people who fund us.
1: Yeah, correct. And the thing is that um, one of the things that I usually do is letting them know, you know, we are a very diverse country and we need to have our mark when they're doing research. Because we all are immigrants that we have coming here. How would they know how we age if we don't let them know how we age? Of course, there is the cultural barriers, the way we do things, the way we eat, the way we interact. And we want to make sure that when they're doing the research, all these things are taking an account for it. And probably, you know someone know about memory problems because, I mean, the population, you know, are dealing with memory problems or so not the parents who have memory problems. And for them to be able to participate or wanted to participate more than anything is that we live in something for the future generations because probably it wouldn't help us, but our kids will benefit from that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And so... Uh, do you know do you have trouble trying to convey why it's important for people to be in these studies like the i i think there's relevance but there's also this idea of importance and maybe you could just comment on how you talk to uh you know potential latinos who are interested in the research project do you do you, is one more important or both? i think
1: more than anything is building a trust that and believing on what you are doing because if you live with what you're doing you will be able to come clear because people sense how you're feeling it i it's not that i have a script that i go by it's more how i understand and how i feel that it will be something that eventually i might be able to do and um i convey that to them you know that being part of a research is something bigger that we live into the future generations. And we all wanna be part of anything. Like as an immigrant, you wanna be part of something. And this is an invitation. But like I was telling you before, it's not something that comes immediately, is trust built out. And I am very lucky that a lot of our participants, they will refer other people because the way we make them feel, the way they feel that they are part of something bigger, and they are the best advocates that we have around for people to join our research.
0: I, I think this is a really opportune moment, and and I'm going to open it up to both of you, but we'll probably start with you, Rebecca, which is, you know, why should Latinos trust white researchers to do what's right? Why should they trust research?
1: Because that's the only way we're going to get answers. Uh, if we don't participate, we don't get the answers. Uh, if we just let the research to go to white people, whatever ethnic background, they gonna study that. And even though we are in this melting pot, we, every culture is so different. And we wanna make sure that we putting our input into this mix to have a better understanding about how we age. Because we have moved to United States, we learned the language, we get into the culture. This is part of putting our culture into the mix for research. That's the way I see it though.
0: That's a really beautiful, yeah, that's really beautiful. H- how about you Jennifer? can you can you tell me why why should Latinos trust the white research establishment what do you what do you find as an important component when you talk to f- older Latinos? What do you have to say to them?
2: um I, uh, believe, I believe that, it comes, that for it comes from more purpose. of a uh, educational purpose um you know, these what we would call white researchers um I mean, they've done research as a career they know what they're doing they know what they're you know putting our participants through so um our participants would you know believe what they say (laughs) if um they're telling them that this is good for them then they would you know they would participate um i mean there is there is mistrust sometimes but i feel um most of the time when they're already in here, which, you know, thanks to Rebecca, she's the one that gets them in here. Um, but when they're already in here, I mean, they're 100% um, ready to participate in whatever we have to offer them. So they're already trusting us by coming in.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um so I, I want to um, just take one step back, Jennifer, and and try to define where here is. Um, you're, tell us a little bit about what your job, What what is your job title and what do you do?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm a psychometrist. So as a psychometrist, I am the one that's in charge of the neuropsychological testing. Uh, and I, I do vitals as well. So when our participants come into the uh, Alzheimer's Disease uh, Research Center, and they see me to do that neuropsychological testing. And then after that, I would go ahead and take vitals and get them ready to see a doctor.
0: So, um, so tell me what, cause I, I don't know. Uh, tell me what is neuropsychological testing? What does that yeah, mean? So
2: neuropsychological testing, uh, tests their cognitive, um, and behavioral thinking. Um, there's, I mean, there's different ways to test it. I mean, we have spatial ways, um, you know, reading-wise, memory-wise. It's just, it depends. There's different kinds of testing depending on the research study that they're in. Interesting. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it just really depends on the uh, research study they're in.
0: So, um, tell me a little bit about how do you tell the research participants that what they're doing is going to be safe. Do any of them have safety as a question on their mind before yeah. they come in?
2: Yeah, good question. So when they come in, we have a consent process. So when we read that consent process to them, uh, one of the paragraphs on there is stating whether it's safe or not. Um, we The procedures we do are safe. However, there's always that giving them that benefit of the doubt that if something were to happen um they can always reach out to us the um doctor um or you know somebody that's going to um give them emergency care right away um that (laughs) i mean (laughs) that doesn't really happen but you know you never know so it is safe though uh we do i mean Let's say um, for some of the research studies we do, uh, we do blood draws or MRIs. So there can be some risk with that, but we do take a lot of precaution um, and we do ask a lot of questions before they do any of that.
0: So it sounds like a blood draw, that sounds like something you would get at your regular doctor's office too, or go down the street to the lab to get some blood taken from your arm. What's an MRI?
2: Uh, an MRI is a imaging of the brain. So that we use just to make sure that um, everything is good on those scans. Uh, if anything were to come up, of course, we, if they would like to know, um, we let them know. But yeah, it's just imaging of the brain.
0: That that sounds kind of nifty that you could look inside somebody's skull and see their brain. Um, uh, <laughs> Hey, um, Rebecca, tell me, do you, when you're out in the community and you're talking to the older adults about the study, are they worried about safety? Are they worried about?
1: uh, That's, that goes with setting the expectations. They worry about what we're gonna be doing. I think once we're recruiting somebody, we need to make very clear Every step of the way. And that's the way I do it. It's like, okay, you're gonna be coming in and we're gonna go be going over the consent because I want you to understand because I give them like a an idea what what the study is about it, you know. And I said, once you do the consent, we're gonna ask you permission to draw your blood, to do an MRI. The blood drawing is gonna be done in this place, you know we don't give you this results from the blood draw. The MRI is going to be done in this place. And we just want to make sure that when you have the MRI, you don't have any metal in your body. Um, They ask you what an MRI is and you go, well, this is a tube, you know, you go in is if you're claustrophobic, maybe you want something to take in there to relax. I have take one. You will be hearing this noise. It's normal. It's not something that you worry about it, you know, and this is a tool they, the PIs use to get a diagnostic to see how we age. Um. Also, we tell them about the neuroscience testing. It could be tiring. It could be long. It could be the questions might be silly and don't you don't think that they will make a difference, but they do make a difference because they are testing different parts of the brains, the way we act, the way we assimilate the information. Uh, once you have the whole evaluation, you know, we will give you some information, all the findings. You will be seeing a doctor. The doctor will be... Uh, doing a physical to see how you're doing um, regarding any medical issues. And then we will send you a letter with the findings. We don't get you any results for the blood work, but for the MRI and everything. And then the first time you come in here, we're gonna have, this is like a baseline. It's gonna be what we're gonna be building because this study is not just for a little while. We wanna keep building and checking to see if there is any change from one year to the next. And usually with that one, um, they relax a little bit more. A lot of times that is not even enough. Sometimes they will say, let me talk to my family members. I have had people who want to participate that I have a family member calling me and asking me, what are you planning to do to my parents? You know, Because we, we tend to be very protective of our parents too. And I go again, giving them step by step and, um, in that way, the uh, when they come in and they are ready to go, they know what to expect and they are not so scared and they don't think it's something dangerous. It's very interesting that in our culture, the medical field is like uh, above everyone, you know? And in here, when we come to the United States, we tell them, you can talk to the physician. It's one-on-one. One. They're in here to support you, to make sure that you're doing okay. It's not what they say it goes. And that's something that is like teaching them how to speak, you know, to the physician in a way that they are heard and they love that.
0: I think that sounds really uh, marvelous that there's this cultural guidance that you give them, like, here's here's how things you might think they are, they're like this and Back home in Mexico or Central America or wherever the Caribbean, and but it's a little different here. And you know, these are the this is the type of way that we do things here now, which where you can talk and ask questions and everything is game for understanding and you know seeing. That's I, that really tickles my fancy for some reason. I think that's kind of neat as a cultural guide.
1: It, it is because at the same time, it's a power that they. Had never experienced and i think that's the success of recruiting latinos in here because they are able to talk one on one at the same level you know and it's something that we are teaching them we open and for us to be part of the whole diverse country that we have moved to and i think that's very important and pretty soon they start talking so well about us and our doctors and how we make them feel you know it's a win-win situation for them and for us.
0: That's that's beautiful. I, I think that leads into the next question for, for us, which is, you know, the diverse VCID study, the one that we're making this podcast for, one of the big uh, national studies that's going on, supported by NIH the, and the National Institutes of Health. Um, We're really trying to focus on diversity because, you know, one of our stated missions, one of our keen, intense missions is to understand how vascular cognitive impairment differs across this beautiful and diverse country and why it seems to be affecting uh, Latinos more than it is European Americans. And so having their participation is uh, is really essential. And we, we want to make sure that there's an open door. And as, as many folks feel comfortable engaging in this question, because we see it's essential, we see it as an essential question that we have to answer in order to provide good health care for everyone. And so um, one of the things that I've heard people are potential participants be concerned about um, when joining this study is uh, are the researchers going to jump to some type of conclusion about Latinos being worse than whites and is this a foregone conclusion or um, do you think that we're we're going to be able to understand something about health disparities or is it the same old story that uh, Latinos are going to forever be Um, sicker than European Americans, so is it just going to confirm that or are we going to actually learn something new about Latino health in America? I believe
1: we're going to be learning something new about Latino, how Latinos age, we age in America. I feel like comparing it to the different groups, um, it gives us um, the tool. How can we improve our life if we participate in research? Could it be the diet that, I mean, we're having that is causing the problems? Maybe that's a modification that we can implement into our everyday life. It's not that they we're going to be single up. It, more than anything, the way I see it is how can we we improve in that way? We don't have these high um, problems in our culture. Um, we have a lot of diabetes in our culture and um obesity, but it's the way we eat too. (laughs) And uh, coming in here, I feel like the doctor also give us um, ideas, how can we improve into our everyday, how we can implement different things into our life to age better, to live longer, and to be healthier. Yeah,
2: I agree with Rebecca. Um, It definitely comes down to our eating habits and how we were raised because it's just something normal for us to have lots of oil in our food, lots of salt, and all of that does have lots of factors, risk factors in the long term. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and then as well as study investigators, that's really just what they do, um, And I don't want to say that they divide Hispanics and, like, Caucasians, um, but each race does have their own, you know, um, environmental factors. Um, And also, I do want to mention that they – sorry, it totally ran through my mind.
0: That's okay. That's okay. Well, here, I'm going to I'm going to start with you, Jennifer, for the the very uh, uh, the follow up to that question, which is you're working with these investigators right now. You're working in a big medical center. Do you think that there is a bias built into research where Latinos are different or going to be uh, uh, um, misunderstood in some way? Would you just. Tell us about what you see working where you do and working with the people, the investigators and the types of questions they ask. Is, is this is this good research for Latinos, I guess?
2: Yeah, so I think it's really good research. I do see that it's not biased at all. Uh, it may look biased at first when you look at statistics, but um, as far as the statistics, you don't really see that um, in the background. It's really hard to recruit it, um, Hispanic Um, Hispanic, Latino Americans, just because, you know, backtracking to the whole trust and stuff like that. um, When they, when you do mention that they're going to come in for research and it has to do something with medical, they automatically think that something bad is going to come up. Um, Something bad's going to happen to them. Um, And they don't come to think that, you know, it's actually something good that they're going to gain something out of it. Like Rebecca mentioned for, um, their are future kids, grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that there's no bias at all. It's just really about recruiting more Hispanic Latinos. um and then, you know, maybe statistics would go up more. Um, it wouldn't look as biased. So
0: those are the that's a, a neat idea that um you it, let me let me confirm what you're saying that finding problems in a community or in a population is actually a good thing because then we can focus on how to fix problems. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So if we get more research on Hispanic Latinos, we're able to find more problems and, you know, that could lead to fixing some. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I,
0: Rebecca, do you think this is good research? I think
1: it's a great research. And for me is being part of something that we have not been part of before. Um, the only way the people who is doing the investigation is going to understand if we participate because they will just assume if you are not bringing all the data that everybody is bringing the research wouldn't be good at the contrary right now I feel like our center our studies are very focused and learning about how we Latinos age and I think that's great. I feel like that is something that we need to do. And maybe we will be the first generation that will get more into research. Hopefully our kids and grandkids will be more involved in it because they we we paving the way for them to understand research and be part of research. We have in here in the center people who their parents came in here and now we start seeing their kids getting enrolled into the research. And to think that the parents' Paved the way for them to be involved. is kind of great. I think, um, I, I feel like it's a great thing to be part of the research and it will help future generations and everybody who's around here.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I really thank you guys for being part of the podcast for diverse, diverse America. Um, It's a real pleasure to talk to both of you, and I've learned a lot today just listening, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you for for
1: having
0: us. Thank you for listening to Brain Health in Diverse America. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to our show by asking your smart speaker to play the Brain Health in Diverse America podcast. And please rate us on your favorite podcast app. Brain Health in Diverse America is brought to you by the NIH grant-funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study and the UC Davis School of Medicine. To learn more about participating in our nationwide Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study click on the link in the episode description. Any questions or comments, please email us at diversevcid, all one word, at ucdavis.edu. And thanks for listening.